0: We welcome you to the R.E.S.T. podcast. The messages you will hear have been taken from sessions from past R.E.S.T. conferences. We pray that God will use this message to encourage and strengthen you in your walk with the Lord and your ministry for Him. Now, did you know the word R.E.S.T. We didn't come up with this. We, we came up with some, stick, some acronym, but the word R.E.S.T. is God's Word. Did you know it's found 290 times in the Bible? And we sat down, and we went through those 290 occasions where we find the word rest, and we came to seven distinct scriptures that we thought were key passages on God's rest, on soul rest, and we put them on this bookmark, and I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to take these scriptures this year and make them your own. Uh, Put this somewhere that you'll see it and be reminded of it, memorize it, meditate on it, Uh, but let the Word of God minister to you. Look, nothing ministers like the Word of God. And with that in mind, I want you to open your Bible with me in the Old Testament to the book of Genesis and come with me to Genesis chapter number 2. As an evangelist, one of the very first things I learned, and I learned it in a hurry, let me tell you, is that nobody needs my sermons because my sermons don't change anybody's life. The only thing that changes people's life is the Word of God. And sometimes if we're not careful, even in a meeting like this, we all get together and we talk about great ideas and we give great thoughts, but we don't need thoughts. We need truth. And where do we find truth? Truth doesn't come from man. Truth comes from God. So, though there may be a hundred books you could read on this idea of getting yourself refreshed and uh, getting rest, there is one book that has all of the answers, Now, why do I bring you to Genesis chapter number 2? Because Genesis chapter 2 is the first occasion in Scripture where the word rest is found. Uh, How many of you know the name A.T. Pearson? A.T. Pearson was a great Bible teacher. Uh, He was a man that understood something about studying God's Word, and uh, he wrote a very famous book on Bible study. In that book, one of the key chapters that really changed my life was a chapter on the law of first mention. And A.T. Pearson said that the first time something is found in Scripture, it's always very significant because it sets a pattern for every other time that follows it. Now, it builds. He's talked about not only the law of first mention, but he talked about the law of final mention and then the law of full mention. So, the first time you find it in Scripture, the last time you find it in Scripture, and then comparing Scripture with Scripture, look at every instance. Now, let me put you at ease, all right? We're not going to study all 290 instances. You can do that on your own time. But I do want to show you the first instance, because it lays a little theological foundation. That's all we're trying to do on this first night. We're going to talk about lots of practical things over the next 48 hours. But lay a little theological foundation for what are we talking about when we talk about the preacher's rest? Are we talking about taking a day off? That's good, but that's more than that. Are we talking about taking a vacation? I recommend one to you. But it's more than that. It's more than leisure time. There's, there's something more to this rest. Look at Genesis chapter 2. I tell you what, let's back up and catch the end of chapter 1 because there's no chapter divisions in the inspiration of Scripture. It flows together. Look at verse 31. God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended His work which He had made, and He what? Circle that word in your Bible, he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made, and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. I want you to do something. I want you to take your little notebook, and across the top of one of those pages, I want you just to simply write a lesson for laborers, because I'm going to give you really just one lesson tonight, one lesson, but it is a lesson for everybody who is a laborer in the Lord's work. Uh, You may be a pastor, you may be an associate, you may be a staff member, you may be the preacher's wife, uh, you may be a volunteer helper. But the reality is if you're in the Lord's work, you're in the greatest work on earth. I am just thrilled that God called me to be a preacher. and There's nothing I'd rather do with my life, nothing. It's what God created me to do. Isn't it glorious to get in God's work? And yet, isn't it easy, many years after entering into it, to get cynical about it. Oh, the irony that we who are so blessed and happy to be in the ministry are sometimes so exhausted with it. How is that? I mean, I'm talking to the people in this room who are are employees of the greatest employer on earth. You're in the Lord's work. There is no greater job you could have, and you're doing the greatest work. And the reality is most of us are working hard at it. And yet everywhere I go, I meet people who are utterly exhausted, running on fumes, trying to draw from an empty well, going to bed at night, staring at the ceiling and thinking there has to be more to it than this. Earlier today, I spent a good bit of time on the phone with a man, a pastor, a good man who has some real struggle right now to deal with. Now, he is not in this meeting, and he knew I was conducting it, and when we got done with the conversation, he said, I'm praying for your meeting. And I thought as I hung up, well, that man needs rest. And I don't, I'm not thinking about this meeting. He needs the rest only God can give. A few days ago, a man that's being greatly used to the Lord called me, and he said to me, would you please explain something to me about your schedule? I said, I don't understand what you mean. He said, I need to understand how you've structured your life and your family and your ministry, because my wife and I are about to lose our minds. He said, I'm trying to find an answer. I'm trying to figure out something, because we're doing all the right things, and we're working really hard at it, but we're just everlasting exhausted, and the words I, I keep hearing everybody use are words like burnout, Breakdown, blow up. Those are encouraging words, aren't they? Look, is this where it has to end? You're telling me that those of us who are working for the creator God of the universe have to run to the ragged edge until we finally collapse? Like that's what we have to look forward to? That we run till we drop and we can do it no longer? That's it. And by the way, this is not just a ministerial problem. This is a human problem. Your churches are filled with exhausted people. And we can fuss at them all we want to about dragging in late from work to church and, you know, why they weren't at every activity and why their kids weren't at everything. But let's just get real for a minute. We're living in one more exhausted world. People are tired. I'm not making excuses, I'm saying to you something's wrong somewhere blame it on society, blame it on technology, blame it on social media, blame it on anything you want to. Could it be that the laborers have failed to learn a very key lesson about the Lord himself? You see, this is not just just for preachers. This is for all men. Maybe one of the problems is we preachers sometimes forget we're just men. Somebody says, yeah, but I'm doing important work. Listen to me, friends. There is no end to ministry maybe you figured that out by now, but there is an end to you. The ministry goes on and on and on and on, and it will when you're dead too, but there is an end to the minister, and the sooner we learn that and come to the end of us, the sooner we tap into resources far greater than our own now, why do we come to Genesis chapter number 2? Because this is the first time that you find work in the Bible, and that's not a dirty word either. Men must be taught to work. God is a God of work. He's a God of action, and we learn to work. But this is so beautiful to me, and I just want to say, thank you, Lord, for putting these things together. How simple this is. Did it ever dawn on you that the first time you find work in the Bible, you also find rest? Now, let me give you an even greater thought. Not only did God connect work to rest and rest to work, he connected both to himself. The first time you find work in the Bible, it was not man's work. Whose work was it, class? God's work. And the first time you find rest in the Bible, whose rest was it? Man's or God's? God's. And may I say to you, the great work is God's work, and the only true rest is God's rest. And when we learn this, it opens up resources far beyond any that we have in and of ourselves. And let me just say this before I walk you through this passage. Rest is just as much a discipline as work is. We think we're disciplined because we get up a certain time in the morning, and we get to the job, and we get in there, and we get it done. There is no doubt about that. Does it take discipline to get up in the morning? Does it take discipline to make yourself go when you don't feel like it? Does it take discipline to preach when you don't want to preach? Did I just say that? Yes. I said to a man the other night, I'd driven several hours to a meeting and sat on the front row and I was exhausted and I got up and preached. And after the service, a young pastor came to me and he was talking to me about things God was doing in his life. And I said, could I just be real honest with you? And he said, yes. I said, there are times I don't even want to get up and preach. And he looked at me kind of stunned and he said, really? I said, yes. And he said, well, what do you do? I said, I get up and preach. And then I said, let me tell you how I do it. I preach in faith." How many of you like to preach with feeling? I do. But every now and then, I have to preach in faith. Just like you pray in faith, i got to preach in faith. So I don't feel it right now. Well, get up and preach it anyhow because it's the truth. And feeling will follow it. So is there a discipline to work? Certainly there's a discipline to work. But there's also a discipline to rest, to know when to stop working. And let me give you a glorious truth. God will keep working while you're resting. I promise you that. God will keep working while you're resting. Do we really think that the Lord's work is dependent on our measly little resources? Heaven help us. Would you look at somebody near you right now? Just look at somebody near you. Everybody, turn and look at somebody near you. Don't look at your spouse. This is not, not going to be good. Look at somebody other than your spouse because I don't want to create a problem. Look at somebody else. You know what you're looking at? A pipsqueak. That's what you're looking at. <laughs> a peon. Look, a speck of dust, right? On the page of human history, you really think it all depends on you and it all depends on me? Could it be that our restlessness is rooted in our pride? That we think it's all about us when it's not about us at all, it's all about God? So what do we learn from Genesis chapter 2? Let me give you three simple thoughts. Number one, would you write this down? It's so simple. Number one, God created rest. If I ask you, tell me what God created on the first day, you'd tell me. On the second, on the third, on the fourth, on the fifth, on the sixth. And then i say, well, tell me what God created on the seventh day. Oh, He didn't create anything on the seventh day. Wrong. On the seventh day, God created rest. So, how do you know that? Because God didn't need rest. We love to quote Isaiah forty thirty one. I like Isaiah forty thirty one. Back up to verse number 28. Because in verse number 28, the Bible says that there is a God who fainteth not, neither is weary. (laughs) That does my soul good. Because I faint, and I get weary, and I get run down, and I get exhausted. I think it was Hudson Taylor. I think it was Hudson Taylor uh, in, in the middle of China doing the great work, and a great man who one night sat and wrote in his journal, I am too tired to think too tired to read and too tired to even pray, but I can rest. What do he mean by that? There comes moments in, the, in life and in ministry when you can't even do the things you think, well, I ought to be doing that. Let me tell you what you can do. You can rest in the God who never needs to rest, and so the great truth here, it's so simple, is that God created rest, and when did he create it? On the seventh day. Now, we all understand this. Seven is the great picture of perfection, of wholeness, of completion, and that's good. I was meditating on this passage recently, and the Lord really dealt with me about something. The seventh day, the seventh day. Let's see, the seventh day was right after he finished his work. Is that right? Right after he said, when he looked at it all, he said, it is very good. And the Holy Spirit convicted me. Do you know why so often I don't rest? Because my work is never finished. And because rarely do I ever look at my work and think, that was very good. That was very good. I mean, let's just be honest, preachers. When was the last time you walked out of the pulpit and thought, that was very good? <laughs> As a matter of fact, you get in the car and you look at your wife and say, that was terrible, wasn't it? <laughs> and if, even, the, even the sermons, people say, oh, preacher, God really used that if you were truthful, you're thinking in your mind, are you serious? That's awful. Wait a minute. Wait. Oh, this helped me. Look, I can't rest because my work is never finished, and it is rarely ever very good. Wait a minute. It wasn't man's work that brought the rest. Excuse me. Was it man's work or God's work? Do you know why we are so restless? Because we think it's our work. Can I tell you where the rest comes from? Remembering it's God's work. Hey, wait a minute. Not only remembering it's God's work, believing God's going to finish his work. Being confident of this very thing, that he began a good work and you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Oh, and that's not all. Not only believing that it's God's work and he's going to finish it, but trusting that in the end he's going to make it. Guess what? Very good. God makes all things beautiful in his time. And one of the great misnomers about rest is that I got to get all my work done so I can rest. Your work will never be done. Somewhere you have to commit it back to the God who called you to it and say to him, Lord, I am spent. I am exhausted, but praise God, you aren't. So I'm going to go to sleep because you're staying up anyhow. I'm going to rest because you are never, ever weary. Number one, God created rest. Here's the second thing. Look at our verse just a minute, would you? It says in verse 3, "...and God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made." Would you do something? Would you circle the word blessed, the word sanctified, and the word rested? Aren't you glad God connected those words? He connected rest to blessing and to sanctification, All right, let's take a survey. How many of you want God's blessing? How many of you want the work of sanctification done in you? Then you must learn something about God's rest. So number one, God created rest. Number two, would you write this down? God commanded rest. Somebody says, oh, I know where he's going. He's getting ready to take us to Exodus and show us the law. Oh, no, no, we're going to stay right here in the book of beginnings because you don't have to go far in the Scripture to find God's command to rest. Do you understand that God's command to rest didn't just show up in the law? It showed up in the way he structured life. Back up one page in your Bible to chapter 1, would you please? We think of the seventh day as being the only day of rest. But look at Genesis chapter 1, verse number 5. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Could I point out to you that from the very beginning, from the very first day, God created night. I want you to write this statement down. God turns the lights out. Every day, there's a moment where God turns the light out. And you know why God turns the light out? He turns the light out so you'll stop worrying and working all the time. And guess what? Rest. Even in the way life and day and time is structured, what is God doing? He's commanding us to live this way. It is as if God looks at man and says, that's enough. Now, in our world, it's never enough. There's always more to do how many of you have a to-do list? How many of you have thought of anything you should have done while you've been sitting in here tonight? Would you raise your hand? How many of you wrote it down? Shame on you if you didn't write it down. Short pencil is better than a long memory, right? Write it down. That releases your mind. You can think of it again later. But wait a minute. Why is it that, that our thoughts roamed? All these things we should have done, and yet there comes a moment every night when God says, that's enough. Hold your place here a second. Turn over to Psalm 127 with me. You heard a portion of this quoted earlier tonight, but look at Psalm 127, verse 1. It's a song for Solomon. David's trying to teach his son something, and he says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Now look at verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved, what? Say, <laughs> One of God's greatest gifts is sleep, and we ignore it. Oh, yes, we do. You know why? Because we're busy. And we're busy with so many things that have to get done. We don't have time for that. Isn't it funny? The things we don't have time for are the very things God instituted. God instituted sleep. God instituted prayer. God instituted daily communion. And yet those are the very things that we neglect in the busyness to do something for the Lord. And God says, no, no, no. Look, I'm building this house. You're not building this house. I'm watching over the city. You're not watching over the city. You just work for me. You're, you're one of my messengers. You're one of my assistants. You're one of my helpers. But you work for me, and I'm going to take care of it. And verse number 2 doesn't mean you shouldn't get up early in the morning. Matter of fact, most of us do better if we went to bed early in the night and got up early in the morning. It's not not about that at all. He's saying, look, you don't have to wake up early in the morning because you can't rest and stay up all night because you can't go to bed worrying about things. Give that to God and accept sleep as the gift of the Lord. And I want you to write down this little practical truth, would you please? God designed us to get some rest every day. Now, we don't work that way, especially in our American system. You know what we do? We run wide open until we collapse. We, we almost pride ourselves in it, how long we can go with on how little sleep. And yet God designed it so that every day we get some rest. He created rest. He commanded rest, but that's not the greatest truth of Genesis chapter 2. I want you to go back with me to this passage for just a moment. Let me point out something. Oh, I'm so grateful for this truth. Would you write down that God called you to rest? He created it, that means it's, it's possible. He commanded it, that means he expects it. But he calls you to it. And this is the thing that God really dealt with me about and spoke to me about. Did it ever dawn on you that man's first full day on this planet was not a work day? What day was man created on? Sixth day. Now, let me just tell you, if I was the creator, aren't you glad I'm not the creator, if I was the creator, I would create man and say, All right, Adam, we got a lot of work to get done. You got all these animals to name. We got stuff to do. Get busy, buddy. But he doesn't. God creates man on the sixth day. Oh, this is precious. And the very next day says, Now we're going to have a rest day today. A rest day, Lord? And there's stuff to get done. Oh, we'll get all that done. I'll help you get it done. But the first day you're going to live, First things first is you're gonna rest with me. Man's first day on the planet wasn't spent with the animals, it was spent with the Creator. Man's first day wasn't a work day, it was a rest day. Why is it? We got it all backwards. We got it all backwards. We're gonna work, 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 work till we can work no more. And then we're gonna say, Oh God, I need rest. And the Lord's gonna say, we should discover that early on. Because what you should have done is rest first. And all of your labor then grows out of your rest. All of the energy that you need, all of the resources, all of the strength, all of the grace, all of the wisdom, all of the power, everything you need will grow out of your time spent with the Creator. And I'm just so deeply convicted of how many days I'm in such a hurry that I get up in the morning and, sure, I read the Scriptures and breathe a prayer to God but my mind's already out the door. And I race through the day, and I rush headlong in all of my things to do, and I'm struggling in my own energy and power until I get to the end of the day and collapse just thoroughly exhausted and think, that was frustrating. And I think the Creator must look at me and say, Adam, Adam, Adam. You know, I wish I looked more like my second father. My second father, see, that's the Lord. That's the second Adam. But I got to tell you, most of the time when I look in the mirror, I see my first father most of the time, Adam. And this sinful heart of mine that thinks I have the resources needed so often exerts and works and tries, oh, sure, I try, and it's good work too. But it is not work that grows out of the overflow of time spent with the Creator. When we started talking about this meeting and the emphasis, there were so many things we talked about, but we finally, both of us, just came back to this idea that the emphasis that we all need, not you, us, was the rest that is found only with God. And see, the truth of the matter is, if we would get that right, oh, so many beautiful things would flow and grow out of that. Do you think maybe some of the things you're trying to pump and prime and organize and motivate into existence... God might just go bloop and touch it with his presence and his power and his blessing and that the Lord might just get more done than we could in 10 lifetimes if we gave more of our time and energy to simply being with the Creator and resting with him. And God calls us to come to himself. It's the same principle that we saw in the New Testament. Jesus calls the disciples to Himself. The Creator calls Adam to Himself, and He says, we're going to rest here, and then that's going to set everything else in motion. One of the great, famous devotional books of another generation was called Streams in the Desert. You familiar with it? The lady who wrote it also and compiled it also wrote another one called Springs in the Valley. And in Springs in the Valley... (laughs) She told the true story of a man who was a, a researcher, a professor, a, a scientist of sorts that had gone to Africa on an excursion. He was, he was hunting certain things and he was going into the jungle. And so he hired a number of coolies uh, to work for him and to guide him through the jungle. And on the first day, they launched out and man, did they make time. Oh, they, they raced through the jungle. The second day, they raced through the jungle. The third day, they raced through the jungle. I mean, they were making such speed. He thought, man, this trip is going to be done in no time flat. I'm going to get done what I need to, much faster pace than what I thought. On the fourth morning, he got up early, packed his stuff, ready to go, and came out where all the servants were, and nobody had moved. Nobody had budged. They just all sat there and looked at him. He said, come on, let's go. It's time to go. There's work to be done. There's, there's ground to be taken. Nope. That, no, nobody moved. Nobody. He said to the translator, what's going on? The translator asked, and he came back and smiled and said this. He said, they said that they had been in such a hurry for the last three days that today would be a rest day to let their souls catch up with their bodies. And as I read those words, I thought, is it possible that our bodies have not only gotten ahead of our souls, maybe they've gotten ahead of God, that maybe we're out yonder in the work, in the, in the harvest field, and we're plowing, we're working hard and planting seed, But is it possible we've not spent enough time nourishing the inner man and getting rest for our souls? See, the rest I'm talking about is not just physical rest. Some of you may be tired right now. I hope you get a good night's sleep tonight. Let's pray that for each other. Amen? But it's not just physical rest. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You can get physical rest and still not have rest. Like you can stop working, cease your activity, but your mind is still racing and your emotions are still worked up. Listen to Jesus who said, come unto me, all ye, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And we like to preach that like it's to lost people. He was talking to his disciples when he said that. Then he said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find, what is it? That's a beautiful word. Ye shall find what? Rest for your what? For your souls. And I don't know about you, but I want to know the soul rest God has for me. Let me read something to you. A.W. Tozer said, he said, Jesus calls us to the rest, and meekness is his method. The meek man cares not at all who is greater than he, for he's long ago decided that the esteem of the world is not worth the effort. The rest Christ offers is the rest of meekness. The blessed relief which comes when we accept ourselves for what we are and cease to pretend. It will take some courage at first, but the needed grace will come as we learn that we are sharing this new and easy yoke with the strong Son of God Himself. And I don't know about you, I'm thinking right now in my soul, Lord, I want that strength. I want that strength. Thank you for listening. We hope the Lord has used this message to speak to you. The REST Conference is a meeting designed to encourage and strengthen pastors, missionaries, evangelists, and their wives, along with other Christian workers serving the Lord in their local churches. REST 2021 is scheduled for September 6th through the 8th at the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. We hope that you and your spouse will make plans to be with us. For more information on REST, please visit our website, therestconference.com.